Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 7. The Word of God says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Um, I'm going to focus on the kind of the heart of what he's saying there, that you reap what you sow. But I've studied this. This is actually the second time I've preached out of this passage. I preached out of this passage two or three years ago. And I've studied this passage quite a bit. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me. If you actually really took a lot of time on those three verses, there is so much, there's just, there's just so much said there. And Paul is connecting at least three different principles of the Word of God that's taught throughout the Word of God. He's bringing them all together, connecting them all under one sort of overarching principle here. But this, this that a man reaps what he sows, there's an abundant amount of verses about that. I'm going to hit on a few of them later on, but I mean it's uh, really that, that, that principle is taught from Genesis to Revelation. Many, many, many different places it's talked about. Job and Proverbs and Corinthians and uh, of course, here in Galatians and in Romans chapter 1, this is a recurring theme that, that permeates through the Scripture. But then also, there's a, a, a theme that permeates the whole of Scripture, which is this flesh and spirit uh, teaching. And I was thinking about that, too. It's interesting. Humans occupy a certain, a special place in our world. I've brought this up before, but we are both flesh and spirit. Uh, it seems to me that animals are flesh and angels are spirit. And man occupies a multiple... We're, we're, we're like, we live in two dimensions, so to speak. It's inescapable that to some extent you nurture the flesh. Uh, but it's also inescapable that in every way we are, we are just as much spirit beings as we are flesh beings. Really, we're more spirit beings than we are flesh but we do live in two. We, we, we live out two dimensions in this world, it seems, and that this this teaching permeates again all of Scripture. But then also that that we need to be steadfast in our good works. That we need to be careful to maintain good works. I believe, as it says in Ephesians, that we have been born again. That we have been saved by grace unto good works. That and he he's he's touching on that there. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all men. And so he's connecting all of these things. But there's the way he starts, he says, be not deceived. What he's really saying is don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourselves. And don't let somebody else deceive you, but don't deceive yourself. God is not mocked. In other words, God is not... Uh, you're not going to get one over on him. You're not going to trick him. He knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. You may outwardly persuade someone else of your, your intentions of something, but God knows the truth of this thing. But then he... He says a principle. 
And it's worded this way, at least in the King James Bible, throughout the Bible, that you reap what you sow. And that's a law. That's an inescapable law. Uh, really, you could even kind of discover the roots of that law all the way back in Genesis chapter 1, when God said, let each kind bring forth after its own kind. If you plant an apple, it will bear an apple tree. Uh, if you plant a, a you know, piece of corn, a grain of corn, it will bear a stalk of corn and the fruit of corn, and it'll never, you know, you can never plant corn and get squashed because evolution is stupid and it's not true. Um, God just had to sneak it in there. Yeah. Yeah, when he said, let each kind bring forth after their own kind, he said evolution is a lie right there, okay? Every kind brings, dogs don't bring forth cats, and cats don't bring forth dogs. But there's also, I think about this, it's, it's um, you could almost call it, there's a law of cause and effect, too. Um, and and these, I, I keep using this word law, and I've said this before. I may say a law of nature, but I always mean that in light of this is God's created nature. What we call laws of physics, the law of gravity, all that. That's the laws that God spoke into our world. That when, like gravity, where's, where, where can you find the beginning of gravity? To me, it's in the very beginning, in the, in the beginning of creation, when God said, let all the waters which are under the heaven be gathered together into one place. It's gravity that pulls all of the waters into one place. It's like he spoke gravity into existence. He spoke light into existence. But he spoke something else into existence, and I would say it's this law of cause and effect. It's this law of you reap what you sow. And in this context here, he certainly focused in on, um, and I don't want to fail to make mention of it, this is not where I'm really taking it for the most part, but uh, that law applies to Christians too. And, you know, we can say that we're saved and we can even be saved, but that don't, that don't get you outside of the rules of God. That you will reap what you sow. If you live to satisfy the flesh of the flesh, you will reap corruption. You will reap death. And God is not going to spare you from that. And so that's what he's saying. God, you're not, you're not going to get one over on God here. You can't just say, well, grace has got me. I can do whatever I want to do. No, you're going to reap what you sow no matter what. Grace may save your soul and thank God for that. But you will reap what you sow. It is a law of God, so to speak. And that's how I wanted to... That's how I think about it. I think it's, it's God's law of justice that's built into the natural order. There's a justice that will be served even in this world. We, we say it like what goes around comes around. But it's not karma. It's not fate. And, you know, I, I don't like ever hearing Christian people say stuff like, Oh, I thank my lucky stars. Man, you don't have any lucky stars. <laughs> and it'd be silly to thank them because you don't have any. Um... It, this is God's system of justice that is evident in nature. And so what I wanted to do is take a, a little bit of time and look at several principles, or what some people call the laws of the harvest, several principles or rules or laws of sowing and reaping. And it's, it, it's actually, it was really profound to me. I got more out of it this time than I did the last time. And the last time I got more out of it than I ever thought was actually there but when you really start thinking about this, you reap what you sow. And this law that's built in, you, you begin to discover there's... I had seven, and then I was like, no, wait, I, got, I think I got ten principles here that you can't get away from. And I just decided not to number them. And just whichever ones come to my mind as we go, I'll talk about. But the first thing I want to, to point out about this law of sowing and reaping is, number one, you are sowing. Um... It's, you, you can't escape that. We are all sowing, my friends. 
And I hope the young children will, will pay a lot of attention to this too because this is something that if we, could, if we could just live with this reality and grab hold of this truth that we will, first of all, you will sow and you are sowing. And number two, you're going to reap what you sow. That is exactly what he's saying. It doesn't just say it here. But these are two inescapable truths that every day of our life we're sowing. And in a sense, there's a, there's a positive side to this, but there's also a negative. And most of the time, I think probably most sermons are in light of the negative. Like if you sow negative, you're going to reap negative. But it's also a promise, in a sense, of if you sow good, you will reap good. And there's more laws to the harvest that we'll get into, but you're certainly going to reap exactly what you sow. And, and the reason I made the point to say that we're both natural and we're both spiritual beings, this certainly applies naturally. And you can see it in the natural world. You see the evidence of it. But what I want you to understand is this exact same law is, in, is governing the, the spirit world too, so to speak. It's governing us in our spirit. Spiritually speaking, we will reap spiritually what we sow spiritually. And there's also no escaping that. If you sow good spiritually, you will reap good. If you sow wickedness, well, what does Job say? Or in the book of Job, it's actually not Job. I can't remember this guy's name. I'm wanting to say Eliphaz or something like that. But he says, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness will reap the same. Now, that's, you know, it's interesting too. Job is actually the oldest and first written book of the Bible. This is in the fourth chapter. So this, this truth, this truth of reaping and sowing has been with man since his beginning that we know it to be true. Solomon says it this way in Proverbs, He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity. And there's, just on this one point, honestly, there's almost endless application. But you could say, He that soweth discord will reap, uh, his entire life will be a turmoil. As a verse that I'll come to later, talking about Israel, it says they sowed the wind and they're going to reap the whirlwind. That's another principle of the harvest is that whatever you're sowing, there's, it's multiplied in the reaping. And so keep that in mind, and I'll actually get to that in a minute. But if you sow gossip, go gossip is what you're going to reap. If you're, if you're a backbiter, uh, being backbitten, so to speak, is what you're, what you're going to reap. If, if you're sowing lies, then... The fruit of those lies is what you will reap. There's, there's so many ways that you can apply this, but I just started thinking about it this way, and I really hope this will be a short sermon today. I really hope it will, maybe less than 25, 30 minutes. I started just thinking about the illustration here because it's all throughout Scripture. Let's just visualize it in the way they're describing it. My life is a field. My life is a field. And so if I, and it's a big field because, well, if you, if you live very long, it's, it's a big field. And as you look out over this field... I just started thinking to myself, within this field, I'm calling it a field instead of a garden because I think within this field there's multiple gardens. I'm sowing in multiple gardens within one big field. I'm kind of visualizing myself standing on a hill looking over a valley of hills and maybe a creek and I'm seeing the things, I'm seeing the things that I've sown in my life and maybe from left to right in my field is the timeline of my life and I'm looking at things I've sown in the past. Like Katrina and I's decision to have children, many children. I'm looking at different things in my life, and I'm looking at this field. Me personally, I'm saying I've been doing that this week, and really trying to step back and look at my life in this sense of, hey, I've been sowing things. I'm currently also reaping things, and I'm still sowing. And what, what, like, 
If, I, if we could make this connection sometimes of, hey, what I'm going through today is because of something that I did. It's because of something that I sowed. And, and you can, in a sense, even this illustration, break up the fallow ground, you know, in the Old Testament. You, you can, maybe you've been reaping the fruit of something that you just wish would go away. You can go back and say, I'm going to make that right. I'm going to till that part of my life up. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to sow good seed there. I sowed bad seeds in that area of my life. Maybe five years ago, maybe 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. This could cover, my friends, so many things. It could be a job decision, school decision, church decision. It could be all kinds of decisions that where you're at in life. Well, one thing you must realize is where you're at and what you're doing today and the things you're seeing, you are reaping things you have sown. And your life is the field. And this is where I'd like for the young ones to really pay attention. What are the seeds? The seeds are the choices that we make. The seeds are the decisions in everyday life, the small decisions. And then, of course, honestly, if we step back and really take this analogy to the fullest, uh, there are some seeds that are the big decisions. And I think about with a garden even. You might plant thousands of stalks of corn in your life but you might only plant two pecan trees or you may never plant a pecan tree and when you plant one of the big seeds you're expecting it to bear multiple fruit in a long time and you're expecting to have to wait for that time but the decisions in life that we make especially when we're young but this doesn't this doesn't the principle the law never goes away but these decisions are the seeds And I don't think, well, actually, I know there's no one in here right now that is of the age to be making their first career decisions or college decisions. But there's another law. There's another law in the sowing and reaping, and I've already touched on it. And it's the, the law that we are both spirit and flesh. We cannot escape that. We were born this way. And this this law tells us that every seed sown affects both spirit and flesh. Now, how can I put that into a, a way that's easy to be understood? Well, Paul says that if you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you'll reap, reap corruption. But here's the thing. If you sow to the flesh, that also means simultaneously you're not sowing to the spirit. And so of the spirit, you'll reap starvation and hunger because you're not sowing to the spirit. And so the, every seed you sow, my friends, every, there, there is no such thing for the human being of separating spiritual from natural decisions. There actually is not. I will admit there are some natural decisions that are like 99% natural and maybe 1% spiritual. But still, there's a spiritual consequence there. There's a spiritual cause and effect there. And to apply it to, well, it's not so much in this particular part of the Bible, but it is throughout. A marriage decision is a spiritual decision. It's a flesh decision, sure, but over the long haul, it's going to have just as much or more to do with your spirit and your soul, and here's what, I, here's what I mean by that, and here's how I want us to think about that. Even for grown men, grown women that are perhaps making a decision of a job change or a location change, uh, even perhaps a church change, we really need to weigh it out way more about how is this 
what am I sowing to my soul? What will I reap from this? In other words, we need to make spiritually minded decisions way more than fleshly minded decisions because you may make a decision to take a job that's going to pay you $150,000 a year and man, initially, it just sounds great. And, and the flesh will, of course, try and bring all of the things to your mind of all of the perks and all this kind of stuff. But if there's this hint in your mind or if there's, if there's any reservation of, well, I don't, you know, will it take up my time that I can't serve the Lord the way that I should? We need to think about those things because we may be sowing things to the flesh that they don't, they're not even sinful. These decisions we make, I'm saying, these decisions in our garden of life, they may not, these may not be sin decisions, and yet they're going to have a spiritual cost. And sometimes it's hard, to, the spiritual cost is so great, it's hard to really quantify it in the end. I see men, you, know, you guys know this about me, I said all the time, I, I'm a philosopher person, I have been since I was a kid, I can't even help it. And I observe people's life, I watch and I see where they're at in life, and sometimes I think, what, how did they end up here? And a lot of times it's over a decision that they thought was just so small that they didn't slow down to say, do I want to sow this seed or not? Because once you've sown it, you're going to reap that. Whatever fruit it bears, you're going to reap it. Every seed has natural and spiritual consequences. And of course, like I said also, there is, it seems to me, if you look at the life of a man, you take his 70 years, perhaps 80, and you just look at it all in one timeline, there are certainly transitions of life. There's certain ages of life where he's doing way more sowing, and there's certain ages of life where he's doing very little sowing and a whole lot more reaping. And of course, it seems to me that the time of sowing for most people is between 18 and 25. They're sowing lots of big seeds. And it, it, it's almost, I don't know how to put it, it's, it's, it's almost sad in a sense that they say youth is wasted on the young. It's, it's not, but you do wish that you could give them this wisdom that, you know, son, daughter, friend, whatever, you're sowing seeds that you're going to be reaping these seeds for the next 15, 20 years, perhaps 50 years. And you're, you're, you're doing it too flippantly. You're doing it too quickly, without thought. You haven't prayed over this. And so you really wish that you could get that through to them. And so there's those transitions of life where you do a lot more sowing in your early years and a lot more reaping in your later years. And sometimes I think maybe a man in his later years needs to examine his life and say, well, yeah, I'm exactly where I'm at because of the decisions I made, the choices that I made, the seeds that I've sown. But what I thought about this also is if you're a parent, you hit a second transition of life. And we really need to think about this as parents. Within that field, you've got multiple gardens in that field. In a sense, you've got your work garden. And what you sow in that garden is what your work is going to bear that kind of fruit. But in a way, Katrina and I, have, we have nine little gardens in our field. And it's our children. And we're sowing things into our children. What are we sowing? You see, every action and decision you make is a seed. Are you sowing... I think for myself, am I, am I sowing short-temperedness at times? Because they will copy me. They will talk like I talk. They will work like I work. They will adopt my habits. And so if you're a parent, this is extra important to think about because you're not only now sowing seeds into your own life, but you're going to reap. I will reap what I have put into my children. It will come back to me. But they are also going to reap part of what I have put into them. 
And it's very important as parents that we grab hold of this wisdom of God and pray that by the power of the Spirit of God, we can learn and apply this to our life and that we can begin to sow and encourage things into our children that will immeasurably, positively affect their future because they don't have the wisdom, really. But if we love them the way that we ought and we bring them up in the ways of God the way that we ought, we can sow so much into them. But I want you to think about that as a parent, that you are sowing into your child. And those, those, those seeds ought to be extra, you ought to be extra thoughtful about those, extra patient, because they're going to reap fruit in two people. And thinking about that too, though, that the field is your life, it's your life, and you're sowing all throughout this field, and those gardens are your children, or your workplace, or your church, but they're also your friendships, you know, think about what you sow into your friendships, what are you putting into your... What you're going to get back out of the people that you hang out with is very similar to what you put in. In a sense, we're sowing into one another. Are we, are we a judgmental? You know, if you're a judgmental type of person, you'll be judged. If you're merciful, you'll receive mercy. These principles are honestly all throughout the Bible. And I just want us to think about them. There's another law of the harvest. I know I'm moving quickly through them, but like I said, I didn't want to make it a big, long-winded sermon. If you have a Bible open, you might as well turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to look at verse 6. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The Bible says, But this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. And he which sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he, has, as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Now, the principle that's here is actually not just here. You can find it in many places throughout the Bible, but it's this. The law of the harvest is that, like I said, the reaping is multiplied. So if you think about it, you can see it in nature. You put in one kernel of corn, how many do you get out? A thousand, perhaps. You put in one tomato seed, how many tomato seeds end up coming out of that plant? Thousands. Perhaps 30 or 40 or 50 tomatoes in each tomato with 50 or 60 seeds in it. You put in a tiny little okra seed, how many seeds end up coming out in the reaping? Hundreds. And this is definitely a law of the harvest. Not only are you going to sow what you reap, but you're going to sow it Multiplied. I mean, you're going to reap it, I'm sorry, you're going to reap it to a greater extent than what you've sown it. And, and the point in, it says it, really you can see it in both Galatians and in Corinthians there. It, in a way, it's a great thing. It's a great promise. If you sow to the Spirit, what does it say of the Spirit? You'll reap life everlasting. I mean, is that not way more than what you can sow? But if you sow something to the flesh that to you may not seem that big of a deal, you end up reaping death which seems way more than what you sowed. But the point I wanted to make is that not only what you put in the ground is what's going to come out of the ground, but what you put in is also what's going to come out multiplied. In other words, the man that gives sparingly, he will reap even less sparingly. The, 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 the guy that's giving, to, to I'm talking maybe to a neighbor that needs help or something. 
Maybe he's given in a grudging way, and maybe he could give more of whatever, time or tools or whatever. Maybe he could do something more, but he's, he doesn't want to. He's just very stingy, so to speak, very sparing. He'll reap even less than what he gave. But the man that's kind, abundantly kind, he will reap an even greater abundance. And in that sense, I do want to apply it to something here without being, I don't want y'all to be, you know, I'm not saying anything controversial. But if you put very little into church, you will get very little out. And there's nothing I can do for you about that. That's just the law. Little in, little out. If you put a lot in, you'll get a lot out. The same with studying. With seeking the Lord. If you seek very little, you'll find very little. If you seek a lot, you'll find a lot. If you, if you study very little, you'll learn very little. These rules apply to everything in life. But I do want you guys to think about it for, not, not you know, of, of course, not just about church, but I do want you to think about it here. Church is not this building. It's these people. It's these people. If you put in little, you'll get little out. That brings me to another law of the harvest. Where you sow is where you will reap. You can see it there in the passages of Galatians that we read. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh. If you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap from the, from the Spirit. I could say, if I sow in my backyard, where am I going to reap? The backyard. If I sow a garden at Mike's house, where am I going to reap of that garden? Mike's house. And so where you sow is where you're going to reap. And, you know, this, this has many applications, but... I do think about that passage of Israel. It says they have sown the wind and they'll reap the whirlwind. And I think about the young people. Now, we don't have any young people here that this would really apply to that much today. But it's important for the young man to understand this because I can tell you, well, I've seen this happen in my father. He never actually just, he would plant the garden and then move. And someone else would reap the fruit of it. And then he would plant the garden over here and then move. And someone else would reap the fruit of it. And he'd plant the garden in this new place and then move. He was sowing to the wind, essentially, and he reaped the whirlwind, his life, because he just, he, he, he never was steadfast in anything. He, well, I won't say never. He was a good man, but he wasn't diligent in the things. He, in a sense, he, he may have become weary in the well-doing. Maybe he planted and expected to see something immediately, and he didn't. But the Bible says in due season, there's a season for reaping. And if you're, if you're putting in some time here and then putting in some time there and putting in some time there, you may not, you might, another man may be reaping all of the fruits of your labors. Now, I don't mean, let me be careful to say what I don't, I don't mean don't change jobs. I don't mean that because really the job is something that you're just sowing for your family's sake, you know. So change jobs, that's not what I'm talking about. But I do know that it seems to hit the minds of the 17 to 22, 23-year-old crowd that they just want to get away. They just want to go off and you know, go to the other side of the country and start their life. And that's going to come at a great cost for most, most of you. And it's also important for us. Now, I, I apologize. I'm, this is a little bit of Stephen's philosophy here. But I do think that it's true. One of the best things that you can give your children is a stable marriage, a stable home. If, as long as you have at least a stable marriage, your children have a great chance to become what you want them to be. 
But I have seen, I'll speak like Solomon did here. I have watched, I have observed, I've looked at the paupers and the rich and the princes and the servants. I have watched people and I have seen that the, that the parents who say, we want to give our kids some roots that when they, their own tree begins to grow, it's a well-watered root system here. You know, the roots being these decisions that you've been making for your children, whether it's, and I, like I said, man, y'all apply this to yourselves in whatever way you see fit. But you can start your children off really good by giving them a, a stability. Not sowing to the wind, in other words. Like if you do, if you know, and I know a lot of children who were uh, sons or daughters of military men, and now they can have extremely close relationships with their father, and they can do great, and most of them do. But it seems to me that a lot of them are suffering to some extent from just being continually transplanted, continually transplanted. If you take a plant, even a healthy plant, and dig it up from where it's at and try and plant it somewhere else. There's a, will, there's a withering phase. There's a wilting phase. And if you continue to do it, you've stunted the potential growth of that plant. And so, you know, again, just forgive me for that bit of philosophy, but I just encourage you guys to think about that, to give your children a stable home and a loving marriage. And I would also say stability in church, at least that, to the extent that you are steadily going. If it's not here... So be it. God may lead y'all somewhere else. But, we're, but to stay with it. Church is one of the biggest seeds you're going to sow, just to be honest with you. I don't want to get on that today because I'm the preacher and people think that I'm trying to get everybody to stay here. And that's not what it is at all. I promise you it's not. I just want you to understand that. Church is not only a seed that you sow, but it becomes a plant that you prune. And you, you, have, you have to stay with it and and focus on it and put time and energy into it. And I promise you, the Bible promises you, you'll reap. You will reap. And that's what I want to get to. This is one of the last laws of the harvest that I have on here. But when you sow, does determine when you'll reap. No man plants a seed and expects to pick fruit tomorrow. And I'm, this is for me. <laughs> okay? This one is for me. I'm a short patience kind of a person. You know, I like the immediate gratification of a good work. I like to be immediately satisfied by something I've done. But it doesn't work that way. And the, the beauty is, he says, let us not be weary and well done, because that's what happens. You, you start, you think, man, I have been sowing good. I have been studying. I have been praying. Which, by the way, prayer is a big seed, too. Praying is sowing seeds, but you, you, this is what happens with me. I think, I've been praying about something for two months, and there's no change. Or maybe I've been given, to a, given my energy or my time to a certain cause for a year, and it seems like I'm not really getting the fruit out of that that I hoped I would. And I get weary. I, I get weary and well done, and I just want to be like, ah, forget it all, man. Just forget it. There's no fruit here, you know? But this promises us, and it's not just here, it's in Hebrews too, a very similar thing. This promises us that in due season, we will reap if we think not. I, I'm so thankful to know that. And I would encourage you guys to think about it that way. 
Even Solomon says, Solomon is talking about, you know, if if you're observing the clouds or observing the wind, you won't sow because you'll be like, oh, it ain't going to rain today, so you don't sow. Or then today you're like, oh, it's too windy, so I'm not going to sow any seeds. Or, you know, letting every little thing discourage you from sowing. And he says, don't rest from it. Sow in the morning and sow in the evening. Just continue sowing those seeds, and eventually you will reap what you have sown. And in this sense, I mean for the good. And so I'll leave you with that. I want to encourage you guys, all of you, all of you are sowing seeds, I know you are. All of you have made big life decisions in the last two years, every one of us here, including myself. And I believe that we made those decisions for the good of our souls and the good of our family. And we come here every Sunday and we're sowing seeds with one another. And the Bible promises us that we will reap Another place God says that God is not unrighteous to, what does it say? I can't remember how it's worded, but basically God is not going to forget your labor and he will give you the reward for it. That's a promise. So I'll leave you guys with that. Let's think about our children, what we're sowing into our children. I want you to also think about what you're sowing into my children. I want to think about what I'm sowing into your children. I want us to think about what are we sowing to our spirit more than anything? What are we sowing into our church? And also to live with this, this promise and a warning that we will reap what we have sown. I'll close with that.